Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. We welcome everyone here today. We're glad that you are here and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we join into this Advent season and preparation for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would take that and to fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable and, and uh, give us the information. And uh, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there. And uh, it's a good way to keep up with the activities at Community Baptist Church. Check the appropriate box on there. We would certainly appreciate it. 
like to call you to your attention a few announcements that we have this morning. Uh, first of all, our youth will be doing something this evening as uh, that's very typical of good Baptist youth, and they're going to be eating. Um, <laughs> They're, they're going to be uh, having a, a, a Christmas progressive dinner tonight, and so they will be, meet here, I guess, at 5 o'clock, and, and then progress, progress, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, also, let me remind everyone, uh, we still have some calendars for our children's fundraisers, uh, beautiful calendars, and guess what, folks? Just a couple of weeks away, about three weeks away or so, it's going to be a new year. You know what? And... And in order for you to know what day it is, you need a calendar. And so these are beautiful calendars, have beautiful pictures on it. Uh, they cost $6, and that's a fundraiser for our children's, uh, uh, children's ministry. And so I guess... So okay, all right. All right. got 16 left. You know, you better jump on those. They won't be here forever. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, also, let me remind everyone, um, let's see here, coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, when is, what is this, Christmas? Christmas? Is that coming up? Sort of, yeah. Christmas is coming up. Uh, Christmas Eve, especially, I want to call your attention to, to Christmas Eve. Uh, we will be here for our special Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. That's, all, that's one of my favorite services of all. It's a great time of music and, and sharing and poetry and whatever. Uh, there's just a lot of neat things going on uh, as we gather together as the family of Christ and celebrate the birth of Christ. And so please uh, put that in your calendar. Go ahead and make plans to attend. That's Christmas Eve. Uh, December 24th at uh, 5 o'clock that evening, and I hope that you can be there. One other thing we need to do today, and that is to take a vote on our budget uh, for, the, for the 2014 year. Uh, hopefully you were given a copy of a budget synopsis, um, and we voted on that uh, at our business meeting and on Wednesday to present a, um, uh, the budget for today, and here's our moderator, Chris Hopgood. Okay, we'll call this a special business meeting for approval of the budget. Uh, you've got a handout there that shows you our proposed 2000 budget. 2014 budget is on the right. Uh, 236500 is budgeted income. 2300 I'm sorry, $231,814. Is budgeted expense 236.5 minus 238, 231.8 leaves you with 46.86 in the black. This is the first budget that we've presented five or six years where we are projected to meet our expenses. And that's due to a lot of hard work last year by the Finance Committee and the Personnel Committee. This comes from the Personnel and Finance, uh, and it's been passed at a business meeting recently. It's presented to you for an up or down vote. So I'm going to call for the question in, in just a second if you've had a chance to look at that. Uh, the uh, items are broken down there for your review. And again, it's uh, mainly due to some refinancing of the debt and some personnel cuts that we made last year. All in favor of approving the 2014 budget as presented, signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed by nay. 
that carries, and that's our budget for next year. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's great to be here with, with you. To uh, You know, this is my favorite time of the year during Christmas. It's a, it's a great time to share um, the love of Christ with one another. And so let me invite you to do just that as we stand and greet each other and share the love of Christ together.
Good morning. If you have your Bible, either in print or by device, please open to the book of James. If you're starting at the end of your Bible, you can start with Revelation. Turn just a few books back. James chapter 5. The chapter number is the large number before the colon. The verse numbers are the numbers that come after the colon. Patience in suffering. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Uh, Our children friends can come forward now for Miss Mary's children's moment. If you're two, three, four years old or you go to an elementary school, we'd love to see you down front. Buchanan's back. Everybody's well and healthy. Good to see you all. Good to see everybody. Hannah, good to see you. What's your favorite time of year? Christmas. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. That's what I know. And, but why? Joe, why? Yes, you do know. You know what? This is, just like Dr. Kim said, this is a fun, fun time of year. But it's so hard to wait for Christmas. Here it is the 15th, and we're like 10 more days. How can this be? And especially if you know you have presents, right? But we always have to remind everybody, including all of us, all of us grown-ups and all of our grown kids, Christmas is not about presents, and it's not about doing the shopping. It's about being with who? Jesus, and it's also about being with, thank you, thank you very much, Kate, and it's about being with uh, family. So Dr. Tim, who's a good reader down here, Hannah? Or, I know you are, Jake, I mean, Allie, can you come up and read this? When we go back to Children's Church, you know Dr. Tim does the worship service out here. And, hey, Joe and Kevin, you want to listen to this just for a second, please? The sermon is what? Waiting for Christmas is hard. And that's what he's going to talk about out here, but that's also what we're going to talk about in the back, too. Okay? Now, I, there's my Isabella. Good to see you. Anybody know who my husband is? John. Jay does. John, I want you to open this very special present in church, but you can't open it yet. You have to wait a second. Come on out and get it, though, but don't look in the box because you have to be patient, John. You have to be patient. Okay. Now, did everybody see what's... No, you can't open it yet. No, no, no. Oh, 
I know this is not going to work, so go ahead and open it. No, I'm saying that you guys have to realize that there's some people, you know, where at the other place where I work, we have a bunch of gifts wrapped, and it's like soap and dishwashing detergent and laundry detergent and food. What would you do if you opened a box of macaroni and cheese? You would be happy? Well, that's good, you guys, because we have to be very, very thankful for every single gift we open. And we know some people do not even have the money this Christmas to buy soap or food for their families. So we have such a giving community, and we just have to keep that in mind. When you walk back to Children's Church, I want you to please very carefully walk past the manger and take a look at baby Jesus. We have to keep remembering that is the reason for the season, okay? Let's go back and talk about more about waiting. But we're walking back to Children's Church.
Join me as we pray. Father, we're thankful for the wonderful and simple gift of your Son, our Savior, and we celebrate that at this time of year. We ask that you remember those that are suffering, those that are ill, and give them peace and strength and comfort them. And bless these tithes and offerings in your name. Christ, we pray. Amen.
December 18, 1818. A curate at a parish in Oldenburg, Austria, Joseph Moore, gave a poem to a friend of his, Franz Gruber, who was also the choir master and organist at that church. He asked Mr. Gruber if he would write, a, write music for his poem and that he might write it with two solo voices with guitar accompaniment. Being that the organ was broken and he so desperately wanted music for his Christmas Eve service. Mr. Gruber wrote the melody to a song that has come the most beloved Christmas carol of all time. Stille Nacht. In English, Silent Night. Schlaf in Himmlischer Ruhe. Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Rick and, and choir. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful rendition of Stille Nacht, Silent Night. One Christmas season um, when Shirley Duncanson's daughter was almost three years old, she decided to take her out shopping along with her brothers aged one, four, six, and eight. Well, this little girl happened to see a doll on the shelf that she wanted, and there was nothing that Shirley could say or do that would alter her desire. She wanted that doll, and she wanted it then. No reminder that Christmas was coming had any impact on her at all, or that she needed to be good because Santa might be watching. And so with a one-year-old in the cart and three other children to keep, at, to keep track of, Shirley was beginning to lose her patience. She tried to drag her daughter away from the doll section, but with every tug on her arm came a shrieking cry, I want a dolly for Christmas! I want a dolly for Christmas! 
And so Shirley finally just walked away, keeping an eye on her from a distance. And she still remembers what her daughter did next. You care to guess? Did she come running after her? Did she tell her mother that she was sorry and that she was wrong to beg and to beg and to beg for that doll? No. She lay down on the floor and screamed, I want a dolly for Christmas! I want a dolly for Christmas! Any of you parents ever been there? (laughs) But here's the thing. While this little girl had her little hissy fit in the middle of the store, her mother knew something that she didn't know. You see, at home, there was already a doll waiting for her that she would receive on Christmas morning. A doll that was much better than the one that she was begging for. A doll that she would enjoy much more than the doll that she, any doll that she ever had. But at that moment, in her demand for instant gratification, all that little girl wanted was a shabby imitation of the gift that her mother already had for her. Any of you ever had a child like that? Any of you ever been a child like that? The whole back row is raising their Any of you ever been that way with your heavenly parent? The writer of James tells us to be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now, those are the words that I would like for us to focus on for a few moments this morning. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You know, it's hard for any of us at any age to be patient, isn't it? One of my favorite stories is about a a teacher who was helping one of her kindergarten students put on his cowboy boots. He he asked for help, and, and she could see why. Because even with her pulling on the boots and him pushing on the boots, those little boots still didn't want to go onto his little feet. In fact, by the time the second boot was on, was on his foot, the teacher had worked up a pretty good sweat. And she almost cried when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. <laughs> well, she looked, and sure enough, they were on the wrong feet. And guess what? Getting those boots off was just about as hard as getting them on. But she managed to keep her cool as they worked together to get those boots back on, this time on the right feet. And that's when the little guy said, these aren't my boots. (laughs) Well, the teacher bit her tongue rather than get into his face and scream, why didn't you tell me so? Like she really wanted to do. 
And once again, they, they struggled to, she struggled to help him pull those ill-fitting boots off of his feet. And no sooner had they gotten those boots off when he said, They're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. (laughs) Now she didn't know whether she wanted to laugh or cry here, but she mustered up the grace to wrestle the boots back onto his feet yet again, and then helping him into his coat, she asked, Now where are your mittens? And he said... Now get this, I stuffed them into the toes of my boots. <laughs> no wonder they were hard to get on and off. Sometimes things just wear on our patience, don't they? Whether we are a child, whether we are a teacher, or a common variety human being, patience is difficult, particularly when we are in a time of stress. There was a story in Reader's Digest a while back from a very pregnant Mrs. Nolan Cash of Roanoke, Arkansas. It seems that Mrs. Cash's due date was approaching uh, for the birth of their first child, and her husband was becoming very fidgety. And one evening she told him that she was having some slight pains but assured him that there was nothing to worry about. And then a little later she was in the den relaxing when she heard her husband in the bathroom shaving. And then he began to get dressed and she asked, What are you doing? And with great exasperation he said, You can sit here if you want to, but I'm going to the hospital. I don't know whether Mrs. Cash accompanied her husband to the hospital or not, but this just points to the fact that it's hard to be patient. And it's especially hard at Christmas time. You remember how hard it was when you were a small child to wait for those wonderful gifts that Santa would bring? All right, true confession. Anybody here ever peek through the closets to try to get a preview? A whole back rows raising their hands. It's hard to be patient. In fact, it may even be more difficult to be patient if you are the parent of a child trying to corral just the right toy for your children's Christmas. It would seem that one of the most dangerous places to be at this time of the year is Walmart. Particularly on Black Friday. You may remember a few years back on Black Friday in Orange City, Florida, when a mob of shoppers at Walmart rushing for a sale on DVD players trampled the first woman in line and knocked her unconscious as they scrambled for the shelves. When paramedics arrived, they found the woman lying on top of the $29 DVD player, surrounded by shoppers who were oblivious to her plight. Eventually, she was taken to a hospital where she made a full recovery. But not everyone is that lucky. In 2008, a Walmart employee in Long Island was trampled to death by an out-of-control mob on Black Friday. 
About 2,000 people had gathered outside of the doors and waiting for the the 5 a.m. opening time, they pressed against the glass and chanted, Push the doors in! And when when it was finally time, the Black Friday stampede plunged the store into chaos, knocking employees to the ground and sending shoppers scurrying to the tops of vending machines to avoid the danger. And when the madness ended, a 34-year-old employee was dead. And four shoppers, including a 28-year-old pregnant woman, had to be taken to the hospital. Sometimes the words, be patient, are of vital importance. But it is significant here that the writer of James uses the Old Testament prophets as an example of patience. Brothers and sisters, he says, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And I'm sure that one of the prophets that he had in mind was the prophet Isaiah. We dealt with one of Isaiah's prophecies about the coming Messiah last week. And, but please listen again as Isaiah makes another beautiful prophecy about what lay ahead for his people. He said, The wilderness and dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongues of the speechless will sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground shall become springs of water. The haunts of jackals shall become a swamp and The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it will be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any other ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. If you were here last week, you may remember that we talked about the fact that Isaiah was writing at a time of Deep devastation for the people of Judah. And yet he paints this beautiful picture of an idyllic future. A future that that we wait for even today. 
Notice how beautiful this vision is. The land will be completely restored, transformed into a a Garden of Eden type of a scene. The soil will be filled with rich nutrients and and vegetation will blossom so much that it will seem like it, it is breaking forth in shouts of joy. The glory of Lebanon is a reference to the the sweet-smelling fragrance of the cedar forests of that land. Carmel was known for its mighty oaks, and Sharon was known for its beautiful pastures. In that day, says Isaiah, the glory and the splendor of God will be seen by all of the people of the earth, and as a result of this transformation, the whole earth will be filled with the beauty of nature and with the radiance and majesty of God. Even those who are weak and fearful can look ahead to this glorious future with great anticipation. All of those who are disabled will be healed and restored to health. All who are blind will be able to see, and all who are deaf will be able to hear. Those who are lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will shout for joy. Water will flow freely in the deserts and turn it into a land of plenty. Streams and rivers will flow across the face of the earth. Vegetation will grow everywhere, even on the land that had previously been barren. And through it all will run a very special highway known as the way of holiness. Now, in Isaiah's day, traveling along the roads was always dangerous. There were ferocious animals and thieves and natural Obstacles such as deep ravines and and narrow paths on the sides of mountains. But Isaiah says that when the Messiah comes, the highway of holiness will be perfectly safe. There will be no wicked persons, no ferocious animals to endanger the life of the traveler. In short, the kingdom of God is coming to this earth. And when it does, the earth will become a perfect utopia. It is a magnificent picture of a perfect world. And of course, much of Isaiah's writing is, is, is poetry, so we don't know how much of it we should take literally, but here's what we need to see today. Christmas is about the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And Christmas is about God's redemptive plan of salvation. So you see, Christmas is not really about all about a house that has so many lights on it that you can see it from outer space. And Christmas is, is not about giving or receiving the biggest and the best gift that money can buy. It isn't about eating succulent ham or turkey. It's not even about spending time with the family, as precious as that may be. In fact, It's not even about celebrating an infant's birth in a manger. My friends, Christmas is about the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan for the world. You see, God has a plan for our world. A plan that extends from creation to the cross, from an empty tomb to eternity. 
And even though it may be hard for us to see, God is at work creating the perfect world. And I'm sure, I'm certain that it was hard for Isaiah and his contemporaries to see it. They lived at a time, a time of war, a time of banishment, a time of economic and social and personal depression for most of the people in Judah. And yet still, even in the midst of all of that horror, Isaiah was able to envision a world where all people will live in harmony and dignity together as children of God. A world where, in which that which is broken will be made whole again. A world of peace and joy. And love. Sure, that, that baby in the manger is an important part of that plan. And it's, it is right and it is, it is good for us to celebrate his birth. But folks, listen to this. Christmas is just a part of the whole Christ event. So you see, it's not just about the coming of Christ. It's also about the coming of God's kingdom. When Christ shall rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And folks, this is not our dream. This is God's dream. This is God's dream. Dream for a world in which all people will live in perfect harmony. And I know that we human beings have from time to time made attempts at building a perfect world. But you know something? They have never been successful. And they never will be. No utopian dream of human beings will ever be completely successful. And the reason why is because we human beings are flawed. And flawed creatures can never create a perfect world. Only God can do that. But here's the good news. This is what Christmas is all about. The child born in Bethlehem will one day rule over all of creation. And when he does, he will rule in perfect love. This is the good news for you today. You and I can be a part of that kingdom. You and I can be a part of that utopia. As we spread the good news of God's love for all people, we become a part of the creation of this new heaven and new earth. The whole reason for Christ coming to us on Christmas was to show us how to live as citizens of this new world in which peace and harmony will reign. A world in which love for God and love for each other are the watchwords of the day. And a world in which our concern for our fellow human beings exceeds our concern for ourselves. That's the foundation on which the kingdom of God will be built. And so here's the question for you today. Are you ready to do your part? Are you really, really ready for Christmas? Amen.
the first candle today, reminding us of peace. We light the second candle, reminding us that we are to dispel the darkness, sickness, poverty, injustice, and bullying and suffering for everyone around us. Our scripture today, as Kirk so read well earlier, is about joy, and I'm going to read it again. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient, strengthen your hearts, For the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I pray this to God. You command us to be patient in our waiting for Jesus' coming as the farmer prepares the fields and waits for the harvest in patience. May we also prepare our lives and wait for your coming in patience. Again, we pray, may the Lord constant light of this candle serve as an example of the kind and constant patience we all have in our living and in our relationships with one another. As we rush around shopping, going to parties, cooking, and decorating, and decorating, and decorating, and the busyness of these days, may we not forget the true reason of what we do and why we do it. And may we not grumble against one another. And responsibly I say, our hearts are strong, Lord, for your coming is near. And all the people say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.
Let us pray. Oh God, we have come to this place daring to join Isaiah in his hope that your kingdom will truly someday be fulfilled. You have taught us through your son Jesus what that kingdom will look like. Now, let us go from here doing our part to make it a reality. Go and tell what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, the deaf hear, and the poor receive good news. Blessed are you who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen.